Welcome to the VoiceOver Insider Podcast with Julie Williams and VoiceOver Insider Editor Gary McFadden. I'm so glad you tuned in to our VoiceOver Insider Podcasts, where we bring VoiceOver Insider information directly to you. You can sign up to be notified every time we've got a new free podcast or other insider information regarding voiceovers at voiceoverinsider.com. I'm Julie Williams. Our guest is agent extraordinaire Wes Stevens, who is CEO and founder of Vox Talent in Los Angeles, a full-service talent agency. Welcome, Wes. First of all, I know you're busy, so I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Our specialties are voiceover and endorsements for celebrities, but we represent our voiceover clients across the entire spectrum of voiceover from commercials to animation to gaming to promos, trailers, narration, Spanish, you name it. And we also represent our celebrity clients for endorsements and social media work. And we also, the agency has uh, a directing client that we, we actually have a couple of directing clients, but one in particular in the animation category that we are developing his slate and setting him up and, and developing a studio for him. How easy is it for somebody to get attention of yourself or a Los Angeles agent for voiceover if they're not already represented in your area? It's difficult. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think there's different tiers of agents. This agency is pretty well established and we represent a level of client that has got an established voiceover career looking to make a jump higher in the six figures or to the seven figure range. Um, so they need to be coming at it with some experience and to be coming at it with all the right tools in terms of demo, um, you know, having a resume, um, and then also having a home studio and getting how competitive and how quickly paced this, this marketplace is nowadays. The way people get to us is we do have a general submission option through our Facebook page. Those are listened to. Um, those are not listened to necessarily by senior staff. They're listened to by the younger staff and then they're referred to the senior staff if they feel there's something there that we should hear. Right. Uh, the majority of the 99% of the meetings that we do take come to us either through somebody in the industry who knows the agency and says, I really think you should take a look at this person or this person's looking to make a change of agencies and I'd love to meet with you. Or it's a manager or a lawyer or another agent, a theatrical agent who says, I have a client I'd love for you guys to take a look at or I have a friend, something in this category. Normally it's by referral. Yeah. I know you have a, you represent a number of friends of mine. They're pretty hefty talent that are, you know, um, uh, Dave Shropshire, Kurt Kelly, John Taylor, just amazing talents. Yeah. Now, what are some of the mistakes people make, whether they're existing, already working full time, high dollar talent who live in L.A. or someone who just is is uh, maybe living in the outside area that could be not quite as experienced, but wants to get your attention? What are some of the mistakes that people have made trying to approach you? You know, look, I, I think anybody who's trying to build a career, you know, is going to be ambitious and hungry and they're going to do whatever they think it takes to get in the door. I think, you know, but with that said, I think there's a, a fine touch to things in terms of respecting the fact that we are, you know, a company that is in a for-profit business and that I have made a commitment to my existing clientele um, to represent them and to, you know, deliver opportunities and then also make sure that when an opportunity comes up and we negotiate the deal and you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of business going on. 
So someone who's not a client who wants to be a client has to recognize the fact that, you know, they're coming in in second position to the people I already represent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that the, the, it's not, no one said I have to look at stuff. No one said I have to consider everything. You know, that's not, there's no rule there. Does it make sense for me to look at things? Does it make sense for me to be open to new talent? Sure it does, because that's how we build our list. That's how we fill needs that we might have within our list. Um, things that people have done, you know, they just overkill. People sent, someone sent a, someone sent a full size. I mean, when I say full size, I mean like four foot tall by like three feet, a huge safe with their demo inside of it. And they thought it was a really cool gift to send me. And I'm sure it was expensive. And we had to call a shipping company and say, we refuse to take this because it was, no, I, don't, I don't know what I was, one, I don't want to be, I'm not going to be bamboozled into listing something. Just get it to us through the proper channels and stand on your talent, not on some gimmick, like sending a safe. I said, it was the weirdest, you know, and we had to go through the headache of returning the safe, yeah. you know, and it just was a nightmare. Um, other people have gotten on the phone and been rude to assistants or been very persistent to the point of kind of like, you know, really taking up office and company time. And I'm always amazed when someone's rude to one of the assistants because that's my front line. I'm going to defend them fiercely. Uh, you know, and if you're rude to an assistant, it means you're going to be rude to other people in the industry. And I have no interest in working with you. Right. Um, you know, people sending demo, a non-professional demo or an old demo or sending a demo and then sending, you know, an extensive um, disclaimer about why it's not great or what they would like <laughs> to change on it. It's like, well, if it's not great, then don't send it to me. Um, people sending things that aren't demos. They're just like, you know, recordings they did in their home studio that, you know, that just, they're not ready. Um people who send headshots instead of a voiceover tape. And I don't, I don't get that one at all. It's like, we're a voiceover agency. Why are you sending me a headshot? We're, and we're not a scale commercial agency. Um, you know, people who send things and don't put the right names on it or say just dear agent. It's like, cool, man. Obviously you do send this to everybody and we're not, we're not important enough for you to get who is here. So this isn't a personal relationship. So I'm not going to engage at any deeper level than the level of complete generality that you engaged me at, which is that, right, which right. is how about I just not listen? Yeah. <laughs> when somebody uh, makes these um, mistakes of like sending the safe or being very, very impersonal or send you a headshot instead of a demo, do you remember their names or no. are they basically they're forgotten? So if they were to come back six months later and do it right, it really wouldn't be held against them unless they were say stalking. If they were rude to the assistants, we'd probably remember who they were. If they were rude to one of us, and I've had people where I've said I'm not interested and they've gotten in arguments with me, you know, which I'm like, wow, you're really building a case now. I mean, yeah, you're going to remember a really bad experience, but, you know, for the most part, you know, you're right. We wouldn't necessarily remember. Let me be really clear. General submissions in general don't, it's not a way to get into this agency. There are, I'm sure there are agencies that are looking at that. It, it, it really is like every other business, who do you know? And getting some form of referral, you know, and networking your way into the organization. I mean, I, you know, that's just the way it is. With the top agents in LA and New York, would you say that's basically how it is? hundred percent. I noticed that the people in Los Angeles seem to be talent, I'm talking about, hesitant about who they recommend to certain agents. Have sure. you found that to be the case? I mean, if somebody recommends somebody and you don't sign them, do you hold that against the other in a way? Does it discredit them in some way? 
No, but I, I think it's like anything. I think if you if you're going to put your your butt on the line in terms of making a referral, uh, if you're going to um, if you're willing to put your reputation out there, you're going to be selective about who and where and how you do it. Right. What if I sent you a fabulous tape and I'm a great talent, but you've got two others that are just like me? What do you do? We would discuss whether or not we felt that was a category that we had enough volume of activity to support three of you. Um, we would discuss the strength of the other two in terms of their career development. Where were they? Are they booking? Um, you know, do we need to strengthen that particular category? There are categories that we go four or five deep in. Um, you can represent multiple people because not everyone's going to get the job. Right. Uh, you have two people that are very similar. It's just one has a different take on it. So you need multiple you need multiple points of view. Um, but uh, we, we would have a discussion. We, if it was a great tape and the talent, if the person's got great talent, uh -huh. we've, got, we've got room for multiple people in, 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 you know, in a given category. As far as the mistakes go, when people are approaching you, like the gimmicks, now that safe is rather extreme, but there might be other uh, gimmicks, like say uh, somebody named Jack sending you Cracker Jacks, you know, or, or something it's like just, that. It's a business. I don't, I mean, would you send, it's a business, you know, and, and I, I need to, if you're going to do something gimmicky, it needs to be really simple, sweet. And it just, I don't need Cracker Jacks on my desk. I don't, right. I don't, and that's not, that's great maybe to get the attention of the buyers out there. And you might want to send it to me as an example of this is how I market. Right. Um, I mean, you know, if you're going to do that, it's going to have to be something really like that's really, that person's really sharp. And I mean, we do admire great at marketing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, great marketing. We, we would take notice, but it, if it's just a gimmick, then I don't know. It just, that, it doesn't, I'm looking for the talent is the key for me. Yeah. So most of the people that get in this agency get in via an email that sent to me saying, hey, by someone else saying, I want to refer this person. Will you take a listen and let me know what you think? And we'll take a listen and go, great, let's set up a meeting. Okay. And it might be once it's a one sentence email. And that and that's some of my biggest clients. I mean, I've got seven figure clients that that's how they came into the agency. Um, and then there was a meeting, maybe there was a couple of meetings, but you know, it's a lot simpler process than I think a lot of people think. And I think I think people would would it would behoove them to spend more time marketing and getting getting their material correct, getting their career up to speed, getting their equipment at home up to speed, understanding what it takes to make it in this market, and then networking, which is its own. I mean, that's as more as important a part of the process as all of the equipment and the demo and all of that. And networking effectively to the point where they get a referral and they get our attention. And then when we open up the demo, knocking it out of the park, where we're like, holy, you know, that's that's fantastic. We, right, we, right. We, we can't live without this person. That's how you get in an agency. Spending a ton of money doing graphic design, especially in a marketplace that doesn't, that's got way too much noise, sending a physical Cracker Jack out. I've seen it all over mm -hmm. the years. Mm -hmm. I've seen it all. Lunch boxes, cakes, plastic fish. <laughs> you know, rubber chickens. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I've seen it, everything. And, and every now and then there's one you're like, that's really funny. Most of it is just like, oh man, I feel sorry for you. I feel bad you wasted this money because mm -hmm. we're in the audio business. We're not in the rubber chicken business. <laughs> <laughs> one other thing you mentioned, and this seems to be controversial. And I just wonder, I know what the answer used to be. I just wonder if maybe there's any change in it uh, as 
as people become more personal, like say uh, with social media and like, obviously someone sending you a headshot is not good. It doesn't tell you anything. But what if they had a photo in their marketing, a photo on their webpage, um, something like that? What do you think of that? You know, it's, there's been so many different opinions about this. Um, I think the problem before was if you sent a CD or a demo and your picture was on that, and that was your only medium, and it somehow influenced what I thought of you before I heard you, Right. then that was a negative. And that was why we used to say, don't do that. Okay. Now I feel like if I go to your website, and I see you and, and there's something appealing and interesting and you're clearly a performer and, you, and, and the pictures are crisp, the, the real shots. I mean, like I was looking at a client site the other day and I was setting up some general meetings for her with Disney and DreamWorks and some other, you know, some companies. And her shot was like animated and fun. her whole, whole website was super professional. And her, the images of her on the site were accurate to her brand meaning the brand that I was pushing to Disney and to DreamWorks and to Nickelodeon, saying, I really think that this talent can bring something to bear on your films and your television series. And when I sent, when I sent them to the site, the site accurately reflected the quirkiness of her voice, but in a professional manner that didn't look annoying, in which case I think her picture's great. And she's also an on-camera actress. I mean, you know, so it makes sense. If you have no business being on camera, then don't send people your picture. <laughs> I mean, if, you, if your sound is so different, if every time somebody hears your demo, they go, wow, that came out of you, don't send your picture. Because right. clearly the thing you're doing is so different from what the judgmental human mind will perceive can come out of you that why give, why give the people that are trying to hire you a reason not to? Exactly. I think that's, I think it's tough. It's like if your branding fits and helps drive the buying decision, then fine with the picture. If your branding and, and you know, your signature and in, in your, in your look are two are so diametrically different, then obviously you're, you're only going to hurt the sales process. How important is branding when people come to you? Yeah, it's important because it's one of the tools. I mean, like that's, again, when we look at whether or not we want to sign someone, it's, What's the resume? How much money are they making? You know, are they a viable talent? Is there an upside? You know, sometimes somebody's semi-viable, but they've burned a bunch of bridges and they come to us and they're like, oh, I just can't get arrested. And it's like, well, why can't you get arrested? Well, I've seen everybody and they just don't want to hire me. Well, that's, whoa. <laughs> you asked about branding and I was saying that, you know, is it, a, is it an important component of, uh, is that something we consider? And the answer is, yeah. I mean, the home studio, the track record, are you making money? You know, um, is there, is there something we can bring a value to the equation of where you're at? Can we take you to another level? You know, all those are factors. So someone who is effective at branding, somebody who understands a brand has a great website and has taken the time to develop those things. Those are only going to be assets and tools that we can use to, to, to deepen our ability to sell. So of course we would consider that. We've been talking to Wes Stevens with Fox USA Talent in Los Angeles. Wes, we really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. And now the McFadden Minute. Hi, this is Gary McFadden. One type of voiceover project I spend a fair amount of time on is audiobooks. 
And believe me, an audiobook can take a lot of time to narrate and produce. I think my average is four hours spent researching, narrating, editing, and mastering each completed hour of an audiobook. In other words, 36 hours for a nine-hour book. Obviously, you'll spend a lot less time recording a one-minute commercial. Or you'd better. Before you launch into doing audiobooks, follow the advice I learned from audiobook narrator Scott Brick. Have someone choose a book for you. Put a chair in a closet with a light. No need for a microphone just yet. Each day, sit in the closet for between two and four hours and read the book out loud. If, when you reach the end of the book, you still think it's fun, you may be cut out for audiobook narration. Over the next few installments of the Mac Minute, I'm going to cover a few tips on how to land audiobook jobs, the equipment and software I've settled on, and the process I use. Narrating audiobooks isn't for everyone. You want to find out if it's your cup of tea before you sign a narration agreement. Oops, my minute's up. See you next time. You've been listening to the VoiceOver Insider Podcast with Julie Williams. Be sure to join us next week for more VoiceOver Insider information and another edition of the McFadden Minute.